Hi, it's Adam, and welcome to my podcast, Marketer Insider, where you'll get the inside scoop on what's working in the marketing world today. You'll hear case studies from real-world businesses and interviews from successful, respected, and sought-after marketers. Today, I'm very excited to welcome Alex Jackson to the podcast. Alex is someone who graduated uni as a lawyer and ended up getting a graduate job at a law firm. He was there for some time but realized that he really wanted to start his own thing so he decided to leave the law firm and he went into marketing where he ended up doing a done for you full funnel marketing agency where he was helping other coaches and experts. On this podcast we talk about that journey of how he was able to transition into a full-time marketing agency and how he was able to deliver results for his clients and lessons he learned along the way. We also talk about what he's up to today, which is he's taken his marketing skills that he learned at that full funnel marketing agency that he was a part of, and he's taken it and found an expert in the Amazon space. And so together they've produced an online coaching program where they're helping students grow their fulfillment by Amazon businesses. And Alex obviously is doing the marketing side of things. So we dive into exactly what they're up to and how he's doing that as well. So it's a fantastic episode that I highly recommend listening to. If you're in the marketing world, if you've got a product that you want to sell, you've got a service you want to sell, you're interested in marketing, digital marketing, agency life, whatever it is, you're going to love this episode. Enjoy. Hey, Alex, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Adam. Keen for it. Excited. Keen, I'm excited as well. I think you're someone that I've been looking forward to having on the show for a while. I'd like to take this back where it all began. What was it like growing up in the Jackson household and what were some of the beliefs around marketing and business growing up? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. Um, My parents are pretty conservative, you know, um, in terms of you know, what they think about business and, and starting a business and all of that stuff. Yeah. And um, I've, I've always just lent towards a more kind of non-traditional path. Like it's always, it's always appealed to me on some, in some way or another. Like at, at one point in time, I think when I was just leaving school, I wanted to be a professional poker player. Okay. You know, I, I, I thought, I thought like, you know, I, I basically always had it in my mind that I was not going to just kind of do the regular kind of thing. Yes. Um, and I know that like my, my parents hated that idea, right? They hated the idea of me being a professional poker player. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, they always kind of tried to drill into me the importance of like getting a jury, having security and job security. And it never really kind of, it, it just never really appealed to me. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. So you finished yeah. school, you've got this idea to become like a, a poker player or something non-traditional what are your next steps once you finish high school? Basically, like when I finished, um, I started a law degree. So I, I, you know, did HSC and everything and finished high school. And then I was like, well, I have no idea what I want to do. Right. But everyone else was kind of going to uni. My parents like said, go to uni. So I was like, well, I'll just go to uni. Right. Yeah. So I did, um, I did a law degree. Cool. What happens when you graduate? Did you get that graduate role? Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't get exactly what I wanted, but I got something pretty decent. Um, and I was working at a law firm in, in Sydney. Yes. And um, I was doing like commercial, commercial and insolvency law. So we were kind of like, we were suing 
big companies a lot of the time and and we were also kind of acting for um liquidators who are ripping apart companies and you know just uh insolvent companies and stuff like that so i did a lot of that for for a while um yeah for about almost two years i was doing that after high school almost two years and then what made you transition out of it like why like what got you to the point where you're like all right i'm done with this law stuff i want to you know go back to the more unconventional path i guess we could call it i think like first off i mean i really really enjoyed it right um i actually really liked law it's probably at the time you know i mean i remember someone saying to me like i don't know anyone who loves law as much as you do right like in, in uni, because uh, once I started trying, I really liked it. And yes. I really liked it out of, out of uni um, when I started my first job. It, it was really, really fun. Um, there were some parts of it that I did not enjoy, though. Um, and I, I think maybe I just have some kind of problem with authority or like maybe I'm just not good at like being an employee. I, I don't know. I just don't like it. Um, and I really, really struggled with being like told what to do all the time. You sure? Yeah. Um, and I don't know. They just kind of came. There came a breaking point at work when I just like I was like, no, I I just can't do this. I can't. I can't have a boss. I can't. Um, I don't know. It's just not for me. Yeah. And, do you remember what that breaking point was? Like, do you remember, or was it just a lot yeah. of things that led you to like make that you just couldn't take it anymore? I I do remember what it was. So the the person i worked for basically had this uh requirement that what you would do is you'd print out multiple copies of every email that you send every single document you work on you have to print this the, these multiple copies out you have to put it in a folder mm. and the folder doesn't get used right it just sits there because no one uses physical folders anymore right right and so i at one point decided like this task is not worth my time. Like I'm not doing it. Sure. And that didn't really sit well with them. Um, they just like, and then they'd sent, at one point I got an email being like, he, he pointed out. He, so, you know, this is kind of a funny thing that like a lawyer would do. Right. Yeah, he okay. sends me an email saying like, you know, I'm not in, the, I'm not in the business of making threats. However, if you look at this section of the, if you look at this section of the legislation, yes. an employee can be fired for not following someone for not um, following their employer's demands, right? So he says, "I'm not making threats," and then threatens me with a piece of legislation <laughs> saying that I can get fired for not following the requirements of my employer. And I'm yes. like, "Who sends an email like that? Like this yeah. is unreal, right?" Yeah. And and then you know, over a period of a few months. I, we just kind of like, there was just like this tension, right? And, you know, that was kind of, yeah, like at that point, I kind of realized like, I, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to be here. Um, and, and probably, you know, I could have gone and found a job somewhere else and it would have been great. But I was also kind of thinking at that point, like I've always wanted to do something else, like, like try a business, right. Start a business, do something. And I was like, well, if I don't do it now, like who knows if I'll ever do it. Right. Mm. Or like, or like maybe not even that, that was kind of the thought I had at the time. And it was probably not even true, but it was like, if I keep going down the law path, 
this is like a one-way kind of street sure. right? like yes. i'm you know i'm gonna be a lawyer and that's that right and so i was like you know what now's the time i'm quitting mm-hmm. and i'm just gonna do something totally different and just yeah. get a crack and see what happens yeah perfect how old were you at this stage just for a bit of context it must have been like 25 25 okay awesome and 20, yeah yeah around that age how was what was the transition like like did you know what you were going to do up front did you start making money before leaving or did you just leave and you're like i'm going to throw myself into the deep end here and figure it out yeah so i'm the kind of person i just like throw myself in and i Mm. and often it's like not the smartest call so I, i mean it probably would have been smart to like start making income before i left uh and in retrospect, I mean, maybe if I had my time over, I would have done that, right? But I just quit. I just said, no, nah, enough's enough. Um, I'm taking my savings. That's my runway. And I'm just going to make it work, right? And it took me a while to start making money. Um, when I first started, I had literally no idea what I was doing. And I, w- and I think I went into it a bit like, you know, a bit arrogant because I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I do like, I did this law degree. I did all this, like I'm smart. I can make money. Yes. No problem. And it was really hard, really, yes. really, really hard. Um, I was surprised by how difficult it was and how much I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and yeah, like I just went through a pretty severe pain period for, you know, like six, eight, eight months, something like that, where I just was just struggling. Yeah. Uh, and not making money. Yeah. yeah. I think that definitely happens to a lot of people that haven't been in the business game and then they're going in from something yeah. else. Like on the outside, it looks so easy to just come in and start right. making money. You know, it's like, you just set this up and you do this and you do yeah. this and you have money in your bank account, but it takes a right. lot of work to actually get a business off yeah. the ground. So what happens next after you've been at it for a couple months, what was the next sort of steps for you? Yeah. So I think at that point, one of one of our mutual friends told me like hey there's this business mastermind retreat going on a bunch of really smart people there um and i was like okay well i'll come along to that can't hurt yes uh and the whole time everyone just said just join sam oven's consulting accelerator <laughs> like <laughs> that, that's what you should do uh, but i didn't do that instead someone that was there uh again a mutual friend of ours zane we started working together on, on an agency. Um, and I was really lucky to get that opportunity. Cause again, like I had no idea what I was really doing at the time. I was just going to like jump in, learn as much as I can really, really quickly. Yes. So, you know, we started to working together, um, with the very limited marketing knowledge that I had and I just kind of learned it, um, as we went. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. I remember, officially you know we've we kind of met before at various other events and locations yeah. but this is where we officially met um and i remember yeah. you forming that bond really that partnership with zane so you dive into this partnership with zane where you have the mentality you're going to learn marketing as quickly as possible and start delivering results for clients what was the next steps because for a bit of context i see you at the next mastermind must have been a few months later and your marketing knowledge had gone from you know wherever it was to like a very decent place where you could get like amazing results for companies so what was your process of actually learning how to become a marketer yeah so basically um 
Zane, Zane was going out and getting all the clients and he had clients from, you know, different, different uh, leads from different places and so yes. on. Right. So um, because I didn't have to focus on that, I could actually focus on like learning the skill. Right. Right. Um, and I was just honestly, like I was just reading everything I could get my hands on and I was running and I was actually running ads um, and, you know, building funnels and stuff. And like, I was just doing it. And I was just reading obsessively, like copywriting books, um, anything I could, taking like marketing courses, taking Facebook ads courses. Um, yeah, just like doing everything I could to learn as much as I could, as quickly as I could. Um, Amazing, yeah. That makes that makes sense. Yeah. And I think something that you did really well is you focused on the skill set, like the learning side of things, but you were also implementing at the same time. So with that theory and the actual practical hands-on experience, you're able to develop your skill set. I'll be really interested to ask you, what was it like when you're actually spending money on ads versus like what you thought it would be like when you were reading about the theory and listening to the Facebook ad courses? Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I, I can't really remember exactly what I felt about it at that point. But I, but I can say now that it's very different, right? Like, yes. you know, you, you can read anything you want, but until like you start spending money and you start seeing what happens, like, you know, at that point, like everything else is out the window, right? Yes. Um, you can kind of be like, you can read all this stuff and you can know what to do, but then you kind of just have to like, once you, once you, and, and you can kind of go and read everything and learn everything. And then you can go like put some ads up, build yes. a funnel, run it and mm. see what happens. Right. But at that point, then, you know, all sorts of other problems start happening. Right. Like that you just didn't anticipate or that you didn't expect. So, you know, people won't show up to sales calls. People won't do this. Mm. People won't do that. You know, um, you see money going in and then just like the page isn't converting or something, you know, right. there's just so many things. And, um, yeah, it's like, I think it depends how I know now, like if I, <laughs> because, and we'll talk about this in a minute, I'm sure, but like the business I have now that is my own when we're running ads for our own stuff, Yes, I find it like I'm way more attached to it than if it's sure. like, if I have clients, right. And I'm running the ads and I'm just like, well, what we need to do is we need to fix this, this and this. Right. Yes. And then you can just be very objective about it. Right. Because like you turn on the ads, then something here is broken or something there's broken. Yes. And, or like they're not, they're not converting leads on sales calls or whatever it is. And you can just like tell them objectively, like, okay, here's the problem. Mm. Like you need to work on this. We need to work. We'll work on this. Let's optimize it. So on. Right. Yes. And then when, when it's your ad spend, it's like definitely more stressful. Um, yeah. Yeah. I would a hundred percent straight up agree with that. Like running ads is very much like trading stocks. It's a very emotional game. There's a lot of emotion behind your decisions. And when you're spending your own money, it's a very different experience. What would you say is like better? Like what angle should you be coming from? The more like, relax not so focused on the money not so focused on the emotions and more like following your process 
and maybe you let a few things like slip here and there that aren't you know running optimally and stuff like that but you're still getting decent results versus you know really being emotionally invested in what you're doing you're looking at everything that's going on you're trying to optimize at every point like which angle do you think delivers the best results i mean i think you need to find some kind of uh like paradoxical balance of the both right? right you need to be like hyper hyper obsessed with every little component and every little detail right yes um but at the same time you need to be like very impartial and objective about it right so you know for example let's say you sell something and you're like you know imagine you're spending like a five five ten thousand dollars a day on something or yes. five thousand dollars you know what's going to happen and even at lower budgets is there's going to be like a lot of variation as to the results right so you know you could spend say a thousand bucks today and make two thousand dollars and then you could spend a thousand dollars tomorrow and make zero right right and then you have to kind of like one look at it over a longer period of time and be in it like be like okay that's fine like you know look at it from week to week or month to month mm. um and look at the trends as opposed to um you know the day-to-day -day, right like yes. you just have to pull yourself away from the actual numbers um but obviously you know be aware that you're gonna have to like that, that you have to pay it right so it's like it, it's okay like i as long as i have enough cash flow or as long as i never have enough cash to make to pay this right. that's fine right yes. um yeah and so it, it's really just a case of like objectively trying to manage cash flow and looking at results over a longer period like a seven 30 day period of time or whatever whatever it is depending on how um you know how much money you're spending a day and if you're at a lower budget even still it's like okay like the day-to-day really doesn't matter that much you know um and you have to look at it over like a statistically significant amount of ad spend and then once you have spent that you just have to go look and like be like okay th this is the facts like here's the results yes what where's the problem like what needs to be better what like you know do i tweak this this thing in the ad here like do i say this differently try mm. this do i split test the landing page like this do i you know and at the end of the day, like those are the only things that matter and to get right. the best results, you have to be obsessive about those things, yes. but not, not like to the, not like, um, you know, emotionally where it's like, mm. okay, like I'm losing money. Like, Oh no, yes. it's, it's just pointless. And yeah. It's pointless. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I mean, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You were touching on, letting your ads run, you know, looking at it from like, I guess, a zoomed out perspective, maybe a week to week or, or month to month kind of like viewpoint. When you're looking at the results and analyzing the data, how are you breaking down the results? Like, is there anything in particular that you're looking for that's going to tell you what needs fixing or what you can improve on? Yeah. I mean, it depends on the offer and the funnel, mm. of course. Right. Um, but I mean, the main things are going to be like, okay, what's cost per lead? Uh, yes. like what's cost per acquisition those those general oh like cost per lead and if you're getting sales calls like cost per call mm. um how many of those calls are qualified 
what's the conversion rate and CPA. So it's like, like those are the kind of big swinging, like the big kind of levers. So mm. it's like, okay, if we look at CPL, then it's like, we would break that down into like, how am I going to get CPL down? Well, right. I'm going to improve the ads, improve the mm. click through rate, you know, improve, like make the copy more compelling in the ads, split test the landing page, the split test the headline first on the landing page. Yes. Just improve, improve those two components, ads, landing page, right? Those are the only two things that really drive CPL. Right. And then, you know, after that, so like we're driving CPL down by that, which is going to boost everything on the back, right? So yes. as we drive CPL down by, by improving the ads, testing new ads, testing new angles, split testing the landing page, then we go and look at everything that comes after that, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, if you have a video that gets people to book a call, yes, uh, a sales call, you're just like, okay, you know, what percentage of uh, this video here, like, you know, what's the conversion rate to a call from people who get on there? It's like, okay, mm -hmm. well, this is 15%. Then let's just split test it against another video and see what percentage of people people book in calls, right? Yes. And then you also have to kind of track like, okay, you know, how qualified are those people and how much revenue does it lead to and so on. Mm. Um, or if you have an offer behind that, like a hundred dollar offer, for example, it's like, let's split test this headline against this headline or something yes. like that, right? Yeah. So yeah, it's just basically just, um, you know, cost per lead, cost per call, cost per acquisition mm. and driving those down. And then looking at the sub components of those things and driving those down um, or up as the case may be. Right? Sure. Yeah. yeah. That's really good advice. And I guess those sub components can often be an indicator of why your CPL or CPA or whatever is, is high or low or whatever it is. So for example, if you have a low click through rate, it might mean that your copy isn't resonating with the people that are seeing your ads. So you might look at changing your copy and, you know, using the, low click through rate as an indicator that something's wrong with your copy or something's wrong with your audience and then making those adjustments and seeing how that affects everything down the funnel. A question that I'd have for you around this time period where you're getting on these new clients, what was your process when you take on a new client to actually understand their business and then start building out the sales funnel and, and actually, you know, writing copy, getting the ads up there, you've got the back end that you're building. How did you learn about those businesses? And I guess to give a bit of context on those businesses, I'd like to also ask you, what sort of infrastructure did these companies have? Like, did they typically have a decent website with a funnel that's already converting or are they like clean, fresh clients? They're like, we don't know what we're doing. We need you to like save our business basically. <laughs> yeah. So um, to answer the first question, what our process was, Basically what we do is we do like a three hour kind of strategy session with them straight after they signed up. Yes. Um, sometimes we would also get them to fill out this massive epic survey that just asks mm. them everything. Okay. Like who's your target customer? What, you know, what price do you sell? What different offers do you have? Yes. How are you getting leads currently? Like, you know, how, how, like, do you take, how many sales calls do you take a month on average, this, that, and the other, Yeah. like, tell us about your history, your past, like stuff that we can take for copy, yes. you know, like how long have you been in this game? Like what's some amazing experiences that your clients have achieved? How did they achieve it? What makes you different? Yeah. Just tons of questions like, like that. 
and the three hour strategy session where we'd kind of just deep dive and talk about their business, their customers, mm. their offers, everything like that. Yes. So those are the two things that we did. Um, did you, did which, you, know, you know, worked fine. Yeah, go on. How often when you were like reading the response to the surveys that you were sending out, or even in these sessions, like the introduction sessions where you're getting to know the clients, how well did they actually know their business model? Like, did they know exactly who their target market was? And did they know like their numbers? You know what I mean? Like oftentimes you hear, mm. you ask someone what their business is and it seems like they've yeah. got like a surface level answer and it's like not really getting to the root of the, the audience or the issue that the audience is facing. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember specifically, but mm. my intuition tells me that, yeah, they just don't give good answers to those questions sure. all the time. Right. So, like they, yeah. they say things like, you know, Oh, we want, we're targeting property investors or something. It's yes. like, that's not a good answer to that question. You sure. Know? Yeah. 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 So how yeah. did you go about getting those good answers? Cause I guess really the success of a campaign like this is going to come down to yeah. getting these things right. Like the fundamentals right from the beginning. Yeah. I mean, the strategy session would be for that as well. Okay. So we, we would dig more into it in the strategy session uh, and like try and prompt them a bit. So it's like, you know, this, that, and the other, uh, like they say something, it's like, okay, what do you mean by that? Like, mm. can you expand on that a bit? Yes. Um, and then, you know, after that, like we would just do a lot of testing, you know, and mm. see what works. So yeah, it's, it's just kind of, you know, that was how, how it went. Yeah. Um, and to answer your other question, a lot, most of the clients that we had, um, they didn't have very good infrastructure to, mm. to, um, handle leads or to get us started with this yes. thing. Right. Like m most, yeah. Like th there's two kind of types of lead generation agencies. Right. I mean, in this model that I've just created, right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there's two types. So the first type is like you build their stuff from scratch, right. They're like a small to medium business. They're getting um, probably small business a lot of the time they're getting leads organically through their personal experience, their network, blah, blah, yep. blah, um, whatever. Right. And they're making, you know, maybe a few hundred thousand dollars a year, maybe a bit more than that. Um, you know, up to a million, like yes. under a million. Right. And they've never run paid ads before. Now, mm. obviously there's businesses in that range who have run paid ads, yep. but like a lot of the clients we dealt with had never done digital marketing before. Mm. Maybe they've run paid ads, but yep. definitely not online yes. right? and definitely not systematically online. Maybe mm. they've set up a few boosted posts or something, yeah. right? but they're not like systematically driving leads consistently. Right. Yes. And so there's a, and then the other type, and I know because I've spoken to people who work at these agencies, um, uh, like the people already have the business already has sophisticated infra infrastructure, mm -hmm. sophisticated infrastructure to, to generate leads, to take leads, um, you know, and they just want more. They want more scale. They want yep. you to scale the business. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're coming to you because they want to scale. Yes. Uh, and so, you know, that's like, if you could put it into two buckets, there's like, unsophisticated client who needs mm. everything done from scratch yeah. and more sophisticated client who has the infrastructure. They just, they want more leads. They want better leads. They want it more at more scale. Yeah. Right. Um, that's, that's like the two types I see. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So when someone's coming to you, let's not even talk about the businesses that want to scale. When someone's coming to you and they've got this business that they're generating leads through their network, through their friends, through just being yeah. known, like there's a ton of businesses out there that are doing pretty all right, just from, you know, word of mouth from things like that, but they're not actually running ads already. They probably don't have a decent website, but it's good enough that they're a happy business owner. What advice would you give to a business like that? That's doing all right, but they're not running any ads. They're not really scaling up. Like where would be the first place for them to start? Well, I mean, the first question I would ask is like, do you want to run paid ads? You know, like you don't have to, right? Like they could just stay where they are. There's no reason, you know, um, because like it, it is going to come with challenges, right? right? Like it's not going to be just happy, easy sailing mm. to, to like structure your business so that you can run paid ads successfully. Right. Yes. So if you're making a million dollars a year mm. and you're the business owner and you're bringing home three, 400 K or whatever, yep. like if you're happy with that, then just keep doing it. Right. Mm. If you w- really wanted to scale and yes. you're feel capped at where you're at, right. Mm. Then then you need to go and like for the first thing I would do if I was in that position is I'd really go and understand it myself first. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't at least understand the basics of all of this stuff, like, you, you know, you're just going to have a really, really hard time. Um, and I think the other big thing that they really like really, really need to invest time on is improving their sales skills. Right. Because like if you're generating leads organically, yes. a lot of the time these, these business owners who are in that 500K kind of mark, like 250K, 500, 750K, they, they, can, they don't have no idea how to sell. Like no right. idea yeah. because all these leads, they come in organically so they don't have to convert them. Yes. Right? So once leads start coming in cold, they have no idea what to do with them. Right. right? And they just assume that it's going to be the same mm. and it's not. It's not, it's very, very different because these people come in, they don't know you, they don't trust you yet. uh, And you have to kind of like really, really be persuasive, right? Like you have to be really persuasive to get them to to buy and you have to be relentless. Like you have to hound these people like, you know, for long periods of time. And if like, man, I'll I'll tell you a great example of this. Go and fill in a credit card application, right? Right. And see what happens, right? You're going to get calls from American Express or whoever it is until the end of time, right. they will not leave you alone. Yes. You know, and that's what you need to be like. You need to be like, just put, like, you need to be a bloodhound to get mm. these people to buy. Right. And you need to be, learn how to be very, very persuasive. You need to understand why they're coming in, coming to you, what their goal is, what their desire is, mm. how you can f- solve their problem for them. Right. Yes. Why are they in pain? Like, how can you, you know, make them really understand the pain that they are in and they're experiencing? And like, you need to really, really, really be good at sales. Right. Um, and that's one thing that like, can you hire? And a lot of people, what they think is like, oh, I'm just going to hire a sales rep. It's like, sure. bruh, like it doesn't, it doesn't really work that way because, you know, what's going to happen is you, you don't know if the rep is any good. You won't be able to train the rep, right? Um, you know, the rep is going to be costing you a lot of money and in nine cases out of 10, 
the rep is going to lose is going to be losing you money. Right? Yes. Yep. And you're going to be sitting there going, this whole thing doesn't work. Ah, like, mm. you know, Facebook doesn't work. Right. And it's like, no, like you're not good at sales. That is your problem. Yes. Right? So that's like the number one thing that they all need to fix is like, if they're going to go do paid ads, they need to start reading sales books. They right. need to start like training themselves on sales. Yes. Like straight away because like, yeah. I like this, this, topic i'm very passionate about yeah this is frustrating man because i know what's going to happen with all of them they're going to start running ads they're going to say facebook doesn't work they're going to say the leads are low quality yeah they're going to say all of this stuff and it's them it's their weakness in sales right so yeah yeah (laughs) that's that's really like the age-old debate like marketers generate these leads and then the salespeople yeah i like these leads are (laughs) Weird, <laughs> yeah, you know, like yeah. like you're sending me bullshit leads, and then yeah. the 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 market is like, well, no, I'm sending you good leads. You just don't know how to close them. You're not good at sales, and everyone, you know, kind of puts yeah. the blame onto the other person. So how how did <laughs> yeah. you like overcome this in your business when you were you know yeah. sending all these leads to these coaches or consultants that probably had yeah. a decent organic business and they were getting a lot of word of mouth, a lot of referrals. Those are warm, yeah. warm, warm leads. And then all of a sudden they're getting an influx of, you know, leads that have only known the brand for maybe a week yeah. or two weeks. Mm. How did you help businesses overcome that hurdle? It was hard. It mm. was really hard. Uh, this is why I, I would never start an agency like that again. Okay. I just, I can't, I, I like, I, if I was going to do it again, I would have, try and go after bigger clients. Right. But it's yeah. hard to get them as yes. when, when you're, you know, starting, but yeah. How did we do it? We just kind of told them, like, we just kind of like, just we'd get on calls with them all the time, like a couple times a month. Yeah. And they'd be like, here, like, we're not converting enough leads. And we're like, okay, what are you saying on the calls? Record your calls, send us the calls. And they, they don't do that a lot of the yes. time. Like that, sure. you know, they do, they do. But then like, you know, we, we've had clients where you have to push them to be more like, it's just not in their nature. Right. Mm. Like they are not, they're not a salesperson. Right. And they yeah. got the business up to the point it's at just by like, you know, just this kind of general word of mouth stuff by this, that, and the other. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you, you have to have some like killer instincts to do this, I think mm. on some level. And so like, man, I don't know, maybe if you don't have that killer instinct, maybe it's just not, not cut out for scaling with paid ads, you know? Sure, sure. Um, and yeah, like what, what, but we would do calls with them. We'd get them to record the, the calls. We'd go over the calls. We'd give them feedback. Um, and yeah, it's like we, we just work to try and we'd coach them on sales basically. Yes. You know, we'd coach them on to try and make them better salespeople. And, um, you know, there's, there's tons of other good solutions out there. Like, you know, lead owl, uh, that tracks like when they call the leads and everything mm. like that. So you got to tell them like call the leads within the first 15 minutes, right? Yes. Cause they won't, they won't, yeah. they'll just sit around and wait. Yep. Um, you know, you've got to like, I think the big thing that they do is they don't, push for the close, right? Like they don't, they're not like hungry to get the close. They, mm. they will often just let leads sit around and wait. They'll do things like, Oh, I'll just flick them an email, blah, blah, blah. Sure. Yeah. And it's like, dude, like you need to be, you need to close. You yes. don't let them off the phone. Right. right. And <laughs> they, they just like, they will, 
oh man, it's, it's really, it, it can be really frustrating. Yeah. Um, yeah. That said, that said, I think like, you know, you said before, there's like, there's like the age old debate, which there mm. is. Right. But I think at the end of the day, there's truth on both sides. Right. Like, yes, the leads can be bad. Right. right. Like it is very possible that the leads are bad. And, and sometimes it can be very difficult to distinguish, you know, because the leads put in stuff in this, in their survey that makes them good, look like good leads. Right. Mm. But they may not be, right. it's not always easy to tell. And the thing is, unless you're on all of the calls yourself, you don't have clear visibility on it. Right. Yes. Um, and so you have to kind of take them at their word sometimes or like, you know, and, and as a marketer, you're always like, I promise you the leads are good. Um, but you, you know, like, I I don't know. And I think obviously you should look at the the form and the survey and like get the, get the client to drill down. What is the avatar? Right. Mm. And, and, and what I would do actually, if I was doing this again is I would get them to say, if the survey is this, you're a hundred percent happy with the lead, like get them to commit Mm. to like, okay, the lead says I have, you know, this much, uh, like income. I have this yeah. much, this, I have this much, this, that is a qualified lead. And every time we send you one of those, you have to accept that that is a qualified lead. Right. Yes. And so then we go and break it down and we're like, Hey, we send you this many leads, 60% are qualified. We're paying this much for a qualified call mm. according to you. Right. According to your terms, this is like, we're paying $150 for a qualified call you're selling a $10,000 product or service. So why is the CPA $6,000 or, you know, something like that? Yes. Right. Like what, like the problem guys now clearly is you, right. And you like, I wouldn't say it to them like that, Mm. but you want to kind of like take every little thing out of them blaming you, right. As an agency owner, you want to be like, okay, what to you constitutes a qualified lead. Mm. And then I'm going to straight up, you, you, like put that in the survey so that there's no argument about it. Right. Right. Yes. And then we're like, okay, we're paying this much for a qualified lead. Yeah. So you have to convert X amount of these leads period. Mm. Right. Yes. And like, be like, and, and then what they'll do, they'll try and do. Sometimes it's just like a battle with the clients over sure. and over again. Yeah, what they yeah. try and what they can try and do as well is be like, Oh, but the cost is lead cost is too high. Yeah. So like set a benchmark in advance. Like this is what, the industry standard is mm. right. Um, you know, just like, and then I would still, I would reinforce that as you go. It's like, no, the, the, re- the thing is this, but the big thing they always say is the lead quality is not good. Right. right. And so yeah. take that decision out of their hands, take that decision out of their hands, make it clear. This is what the it counts as a qualified lead. Mm. And then when they try and argue it later, which they will, they will mm. say, oh, but this person wasn't qualified, right? It's like, you said they're qualified. Yeah. So yeah. What, what's, what's going on here, guys? Like, give me an example. Or give me a reason why that person's not qualified. Right. Right. Yeah. And, but, but, you know, it depends. Like, you're still going to get people who, who will say that it's uh, like, you know, like once they the form says the person's qualified. They'll say they're not qualified right, once yeah. they speak to them because they, because they don't convert them. Yes. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> that is always, that's always the excuse. If the person doesn't buy, they're unqualified. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'd say that what you touched on there is crucial. Defining objectives from the outset, 
whether you're talking about leads, like what, you know, what type of lead you want to cost per lead to cost per acquisition, just to find as much as you can have a source of truth that you're always referring back to and comparing your results to. I definitely think that, you know, defining those characteristics from the outset is critical to the success of any campaign. You need benchmarks. You need something to report back on. You need something to compare your progress to. And just going like a little bit further than that, this is like the mentality often of a business owner that's getting in leads from word of mouth. Their leads are already hot. They're a referral. Someone's recommending them. So they close, you know, five or six out of 10. And they think that that's their conversion rate. They're like, I'm a top salesperson. I'm I'm closing 60 or 80% of the leads. And then you're like, all right, what we're going to do is we're going to bring you in this many leads based on our forecast. And in their mind, they're thinking, I've got a conversion rate of 70%. I get a hundred new leads. I'm going to have 70 new clients. But in reality, it's a completely different quality of leads. So they might only get 40% as a close rate and they might get really discouraged. They're blaming the leads. Like, yeah, the lead isn't, isn't a super hot lead that's been referred from the best friend that's been talking about your company for three weeks. So you're now at this point where you've developed this quite a successful agency with Zane. You've got clients coming in, you're offering them great services. You're delivering, you know, results that exceed what they came to you for. They're really happy with you guys. What's the next steps for you? What are you up to today? Like, and how did you transition into it? Yeah. So, you know, um, at some point I kind of realized that I didn't want to scale an agency. I didn't want to run mm. an agency and yes. it wasn't really what I wanted to, to do long-term. Yep. Um, you know, and yeah, at that point I kind of thought like, well, what do I want to do? And um, you know, I, I developed this great, like a great skill set. Well, you know, the beginnings of a great skill set. Mm. And I was like, well, what do I kind of want to do with this? And I, I you know, I want to build something that maybe is a bit more scalable, um, or easier to scale in my mind. Yes. Right. I think like there's a lot of challenges scaling an agency. Um, and there's a lot of benefits of doing it and, and scaling an agency, but it's just not what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and so basically what we're, what I'm doing now is kind of more towards the like internet marketing kind of side. Sure. So um, we have, like I partnered with one of my existing previous clients who has an Amazon FBA course mm-hmm. and we're just kind of like selling that course. And the plan is to kind of build, um, uh, you know, an Amazon software and then just eventually get a ton of users on that software um, and, and sell it. So basically I've moved kind of more into like the digital product kind of side of things. Um, yeah. And, you know, right now we've got a course, we've got two little mini softwares that just got finished developing. Uh, and one of those will ideally turn into, you know, some, like a, full on behemoths like software. That's just awesome. So yeah, that's basically what I'm doing right now. What is this business called and what's like, what do you do exactly? What are you offering to your clients? Yeah. So we're called, um, FBA 3.0 unfair advantage right now. FBA and that's our, by Amazon. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fulfillment by Amazon, uh, FBA 3.0, and our program is called Unfair Advantage, right? Unfair Advantage. Um, yeah, and that's the like our core offer at the moment. Um, the only one that we're really focused on, um, and it's basically just a training program with coaching calls and with you know, um, yeah, like a couple of little software tools, mm. um, and you know, like a Facebook group with with coaching in there, um, and it's like a two thousand US dollar kind of course that we yep. teach people how to start an app how to start a successful business on Amazon basically. Yes. Um, so that's what we do there. And yeah, we're just, we're just focusing all our effort on making that really, really good, getting mm-hmm. customers really good results Yeah. and um, selling it. Yeah. Well, that that's sounds really, good. That's all. That's it. Yeah. What's the, what's the promise of this course? If someone goes through it, what are they going to learn? And why should someone sign up to your course as opposed to others that are out there? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a interesting question. Like the promise right now is mm-hmm. like, Hey, we're going to show you how to build a $20,000 a month, Amazon brand. Right. Yeah. For, is this um, for, be- in, for beginners? In, it's for beginners. Right. Yeah. So someone who's just like totally brand new to mm-hmm. the space yeah. um, and doesn't know anything about starting a business, anything like that. Yeah. So we're going to teach you how to do that. Um, He's successfully done that in the past. So he's coaching that and I'm doing all the marketing. Um, yeah, the, the, that's the promise. And we're, we're still kind of playing around with that and testing like the core promise. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's basically, basically it. As yeah. for, you know, why should someone take it as opposed to anyone else's? I mean, our course is really, really good right? Uh, like from, from an objective point now, that's Mm. not what I'd say in my marketing, right? Like, Mm. you know, that's not how I'd sell it, Yes. but like objectively speaking, I think the course is like just one of the best out there. There's like, you know, it's set up click by click, uh, to make it really, really easy. And we're like building checklists where we've got these two like really good software tools. Um, just things like that, um, that, you know, the whole thing is we've designed it like, and we're continuing to improve it again mm. and again and again uh, to make it just really easy for someone to actually follow it and get results. Yeah. So to kind of wrap this up, there's one question that I ask every person that comes on this podcast. And that is, what is the one thing that you've done consistently to get you from where you started to where you are today? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I mean, the, the thing that automatically comes to mind is just like constantly learning, you know, um, whenever I, like, if I encounter something that I need to get good at, I'll just learn it. Like, right. you know, constantly and learning. I'll just go, yeah, I'll just go and read about it. Just learn as much as I can about it and then mm-hmm. apply it and then learn it. I just think just constantly learning. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a great call out. And even just going back to the start of this interview, when you were transitioning into the marketing space, you said the one thing you did to really learn about it is just is learning, learning, you're reading books and watching courses and going through all that stuff and then applying it, which is also really important. So it's been great having you on today. There's been some really amazing, insightful nuggets of gold that have just come from your experience which is in depth so really great to have you on thanks man appreciate it thanks for having me